there's always a challenge in front of you. Like right now, it's another challenge, right? Each stage in your entrepreneurship life, it's gonna be a different challenge, no matter what it is. You just gotta pull your bootstraps and go to work mm-hmm. and figure things out as you go. Ask the right questions. And not only ask, I don't say ask the right questions, ask questions, because there's no such thing as a right or wrong question. It's more like keep asking, keep learning, keep putting yourself in the environment. Go to places where, where I always say breathe the same air. Go to places where people are at a level that you're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. You can't get to a level that you're not you're not familiar with and being around with people that mm-hmm. you're trying to get to. If you're comfortable where you're at and the people you're around and sense of like the level, cool, nothing wrong with that. But you aspire to go higher with something, you got to find people that's in higher places in a sense mentally, mm-hmm. you know. And so, yeah. thousand percent. What up, though, Black Friday's family, and welcome to another installment of the Black Friday's podcast. I have a doctor in the house, Dr. Leron Lightfoot. How you doing today, brother? How's it going, sir? Doing great. Oh, yeah. Doing great. Appreciate you pulling up. And would love to learn more about Math for Success, where you are taking your love of math and then being able to apply that to young folks, get them tutored, and get them in a much better position in terms of uh, their education. So would you be able to share more with us about your journey and how it came about? Okay, yeah. So <clears throat> Math for Success, first of all, is an education service provider that's um, – <clears throat> That specialize in um, K through 12 education, as well as workforce development education, um, mainly focused on math and STEM. Um, this whole idea came from the fact that going to grad school and uh, seeing um, Asian culture, how they utilize math as their tool to, I guess, to get out the situation, is something that I utilized growing up to as well. That I decided that why can't we make this a tool within our own community that we could make this this a uh, viable resource instead of like something that's considered like a um, I won't say detriment but something that's um, that's a fear that students have right and so Maverick said was created to be become a, a a strong resource for inner city students to have access to great math education. Absolutely, and you are not originally from Michigan, but spent a lot of time here in Michigan. Do you, can you tell us where you're originally from and then what similarities you see that kind of hinders students from excelling at math or any other STEM related um, classes in school? And then uh, what you, the parallels you see between where you grew up in Michigan? Yeah, so I'm from Los Angeles, California, um, more specifically South Central Los Angeles, um, which is um, considered the um, inner city of Los Angeles where Education is not the best when it comes down to the school systems. Um, what I was able to do when I was there was um, I was able to find a love for math at an early age, right? Um, I played basketball um, and loved math, but when I had to make a choice between hooping and my academics, I chose math when I was in high school as my, my, the, the tool that I wanted to put my time and effort into, right? Um, I think my similarity to what I've seen growing up in LA and seeing um, like say Detroit or any in the, in the city with majority black students is that it's a lack of resources. And I think that um, we as a community can't provide those resources. And I think a lot of times we we do a lot of, not say blame, but we, do, we, we kind of put a lot of um, 
a lot of energy towards saying that the what what can the state do? What can the federal government do, right? And I always say, let's start with ourselves. Let's figure out how can we utilize our own resources in our own community? Because we all companies in the city communities that we could provide those, those level of resources ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what Manfred said was created by that mindset. Yeah, and I really appreciate the work that you all have been doing. And how long has uh, Math for Success been up and running? Five years. Congratulations on that. Um, and I believe you say you had an anniversary coming up in June. Yeah, so um, on June 2nd, that's when Math for Success had its first workshop. We celebrate our five-year anniversary on June 10th um, next month. So we're looking forward to having a great celebration, inviting the team, inviting um, um, other members that um, have been supporting Math for Success since, since the beginning of time. Um, and so... We're planning on really having like a you know good festival festive event, but at the same time, um, sharing um, the uh, I guess sharing the love that all our team have for the community. And so we actually doing a backpack drive or a school drive, back to school drive in August. Mm-hmm. And so that will be the event that's going to be for the entire community. We we're trying to solidify a location right now, but it's going to have everything from bounce houses to awards to. Um, all school supplies and so forth, and um, and food. And so we want to celebrate the five years with the team and with the community. And, you know, so June, June 10th is going to be the five-year anniversary with the team and staff. And then August, day still tentative, it could be a community event for the five-year celebration. Gotcha. And it's really dope that the work that you and your staff has been able to put in around this because like you said it definitely takes a community effort in order to push our students along especially in the black community and provide them with the resources that they need because like you said it is a lack of resources out there and things that you would think is common knowledge we may not receive like i tell people all the time they laugh at me i went to you've been in detroit long enough so you know about cast tech i went to cast tech and people when i tell people like we didn't have enough books or we didn't have enough toilet paper at a certain point in time they're like yeah it's no way like that don't even make sense like you went to cast tech one of the well the biggest high school in my opinion but in the city and you don't have these bare minimum resource and I'm like it's a real thing so um, you know that's what inspired me uh, we didn't talk about this beforehand but I have a nonprofit organization called the collab where we teach students about entrepreneurship financial literacy and then also different creative skills and that's what uh, allowed me and my brothers who came together to start that nonprofit the community aspect and knowing what we know and what would have helped us back then and then being able to input that to these students today because it's a big need for it and then just working with them um, different opportunities I have to volunteer or mentor with that organization others like you can tell that there's a, a huge need for for these things oh, yeah, that's dope man that's, I'm glad to hear that I mean one of the things that I always commend anybody that's doing anything that's kind of that's trying to uplift and bring empowerment to the community I'm always going to salute because that's one of the things that we have to do way more of and we definitely need to collaborate uh, in the future absolutely yes yeah, so we, we definitely got to figure that out and in the meantime I'm going to introduce you to my favorite section of Black Fridays which is Freestyle Fridays So coming from Cali, I hope you got some type of bars, man. You gotta you gotta hold up, you gotta put the West Coast on your shoulders right now. All right. Let's, let's get it. <laughs> so you don't have to freestyle or nothing, but okay, it is okay. a random assortment okay. of questions that's about you. So okay. I just ask that you answer each one and you answer honestly. Okay. All right, let's do it. So uh you have a PhD, you have multiple degrees. 
doing pretty well, engineer by education, correct? I need to know, have you ever skipped a class? Skip like one class one day? Or, yeah. Or oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I didn't skip many though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I, I grew up loving school, so oh, yeah, yeah. I, I hated not going to school. But yeah. when I was a senior, I definitely participated in skip day. Oh, yeah, skip day. I, I mean, I skipped class in college too, you know, here and there, you know. But yeah, I mean, wasn't many though. Like, I actually love going to school, so mm-hmm. I was one of those kids that had perfect attendance a lot, you know, growing yeah. up. So. Occasionally, you just need a day off. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you want to see what that whole lifestyle is like. Oh, they they under leaving school. Let me just see what's going on over right. there real quick. Right. You know, there's people over there real quick. You know? But the funny thing is, what you realize, it ain't much going on outside of school <laughs> yeah, during not. the day. Like, it's not a whole lot going on. So, oh, yeah. I don't know what they be doing, but oh, they yeah. were figuring it out. Oh, yeah. Uh, what was a subject that you hated in school? Oh, um, Reading and writing, by far. That was like... I'll get through a map, I'll, I suck with reading, and like, I was one of the kids that always wanted to hide behind other kids, and like, when they had like the read out loud time, I'm like, <laughs> trying not to try, try to avoid all that. So that was, that was definitely my, um, the subjects I hated the most. For sure. And ironically enough, mine was math. Like, I tried to <laughs> run away from math. So, okay. Interesting. What's the first car you ever owned? Um, 1997 Toyota Camry. Oh yeah, and what? How old were you when you got it? I was I got that in '04, so I was um, like 19. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to '97 Camry. <laughs> oh I, yeah. I think my first car was a '97 Mercury Tracer. Yeah. A word? Okay, because yeah. mine's um it lasted to um to 2013. Mm-hmm. You know, to the transmission went out. So. <laughs> <laughs> it held on strong for a long time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Now, what's your favorite album of all time? It's a good one. Um, I had to say Kendrick Lamar to Pippa Butterfly. Mm. That's, that's still one of my favorite classics. I don't know. That album is, to this day, it's, it's a dope album. I think that's underrated in his catalog, and I I agree with you. I think people uh, they get caught up in Good Kid, Mad City, yeah. but yeah, the Pimp Butterfly, to Pimp a Butterfly is my personal favorite of yeah. his. I think from the track from beginning to end, and like this, like what it's telling, the story is telling. I think it's the most creative artwork that ever put together. Facts, you know? facts. And last but not least, what's the most random job you ever had? <laughs> uh, it's probably being a security. Uh, a security officer for um, concerts. Okay. So that was one of the jobs I did in high school. Pretty much, he told like um, just try to figure out how to make some money while while doing bare minimum work. That was one of those jobs. <laughs> but we saw some dope little concerts though. We saw Lil Wayne, seen different concerts. But we were talking me and my boy. We um we had the yellow jacket. We had the yellow jacket security. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, we like saw a loophole. Like it's so many of us in the arena. They they didn't know who working what right. Mm-hmm. So we took all the old jackets off, hid it behind something, <laughs> went to the concert because we had like the, the access to everything, mm. front row, the whole concert, come back, <laughs> grab my jacket at the end. <laughs> and she said you worked the whole shit. Worked the whole <laughs> shit. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Right. Job. Y'all was undercover security. Oh, yeah. 
Well, shout out to you for engaging in Freestyle Fridays and successfully passing. Uh, so we'd like to go back into your story and would love for you to be able to tell us and the people watching and listening, what are the services f that's involved in Math for Success and how are you helping these young folks? Yes, so we offer private and in-person, uh, private math tutoring services where we offer in-person and virtual services. We do after-school programs as well. We do STEM workshops. We provide um, SAT, uh, ACT test prep. And um, we do workforce development as well for young adult, or for adults as well. Nice. And then I saw that you also have a uh, coding component to <clears throat> what it is that you all do. How how has that gotten thrown in the mix of services? So, Math for Sets was built around taking talent from corporate America and bringing it back into the community, right? So, a lot of our staff are corporate working individuals, right? And so... They have access to, you know, um, they have a lot of different talents in a way, right? Some are programmers, some are uh, engineers, some are um, business um, um, administrators. Um, but our the main focus was to be able to take that talent and bring it back to the community. And so we had all these different skill sets. So the coding aspect comes from our own team, our team of coders, programmers, right? Mm -hmm. They have math skills and they have the skills to be able to program. Like myself, I got a very extensive background because I did computer engineering as an undergrad. So um, I have a very extensive coding background as well. So that's one of the things that we try to take whatever resource we have on the team and try to provide a way to bring that exposure to the community, exposure to the youth in, in a sense, right? And so we, um, I wish, like after we done with this podcast, I want to show you some videos of some of the coding workshops that we do because we really go hard, like, in depth with mm -hmm. the coding and not just drag and drop it's actually writing the language and actually learn the, the coding language and typing it up because that's the real way to get to really be um, um, to lead you to a, a career that could be um, oh, I lost a word but sustainable sustainable yeah mm -hmm. you know so for sure yeah no I would, I would definitely love to see that and I'm curious as to you all have been at it for five years now coming up what was it like for you to be able to build a team around math for success? Because obviously you have your love and passion for math. That might not be the case for everybody else, but like, how do you kind of get people to come together and be on board for the overall mission? That's a good question. So we ask that question a lot. And one of the things I always say, like the, the energy, people, I, I believe in this thing that Good energy attracts good, good energy, right? I believe that people that have the same passion and mission will be attracted to those same people. And I think that's pretty much what happened, right? Because when I put the word out there about my for success, people that were intrigued by the idea of doing something like this for the community mm. came, you know, in a sense, right? So it wasn't really me necessarily recruiting as much. It was more like, this is what I'm doing, and, and I'm doing it. And then they all came on board seeing the work being done. Mm. That's pretty much how it, worked, um, how it started up. And then as it continued to grow, we may put out the ad that, you know, say we're hiring away, right? But at the same time, it's like the same thing. The main part of the interview thing is to identify if they're hardened to it, right? Or if their mission, are they trying to make real change in the community? Or are they just trying to get paid? Two different things, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so that's our main um, focus on recruiting and providing that 
avenue for people that wants to provide a level of impact to the community. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious as to for at least the tutoring services, how do you kind of vet out talent to be able to support your students with that? Because when I, I didn't utilize tutoring until I got to college. So if I would have had the math for success around in high school, but better yet, if I even had money for math for success in high school or felt like I had it um, to make that investment earlier on, you know, I probably would have done much better with math uh, a lot sooner and would have challenged myself more. But I remember like the pedigree of people who tutored in college and it was okay sometimes some people just don't know how to deal with people but they get the numbers and stuff so i'm curious how your process is in terms of vetting like tutors for the different subjects so we do a training first of all right we do we have first part of the part of the onboarding or part of the um interview process is that they ought to teach us a problem like we give them a math problem and they teach it to us live right um and that's one level right but on top of it, we don't necessarily say, oh, you did a terrible job, you can't work for us. It's more like we'll t teach you the ropes, or, like little pointers on how to go about tutoring, right? And so we actually do a training with the, the staff first, right? Uh, we do a, and then the last part of the training is they'll actually tutor a student live while one of us is there in the room so we can get little pointers here and there. And so the student don't necessarily, uh, will leave out still getting the impact or getting what they need, but at the same time, this, this tutor is able to learn valuable, you know, um, skills in the sense of doing it live with a real, real actual student that's looking for actual service, you know. So um, we try to have a math process way towards a lot of stuff uh, because we know that things can be taught different ways. Um, we try to give them, like, good examples. I don't think what you should not do when a certain situation happens and what's a better way of handling it. Mm -hmm. And so we try to get, find all those, those pointers. And a lot of times what happens is they take those um, those lessons and then they become, it's almost like, like you go, to, I'm not sure you eat at Chick-fil-A or eat at mm -hmm. certain places, right? Um, certain places you have the same level of energy coming in, right? No matter what city, who's behind the register, what's going on, right? They'll have a same, same, the same level of service almost, right? Mm -hmm. You don't never hear too many people say they complain about Chick-fil-A or this one location is ghetto or whatever, right? They don't mm -hmm. really hear that too much, right? They kind of consistent across the board, and that's how our staff is. We try to stay consistent across the board by having good process in place. Love that. Love that because, and I think a lot of businesses in general could take could learn some lessons from that approach because we don't always see that. And sometimes, like you said, you get people who just want to work a job and make some money and they just get thrown out there and they're not a bet. They're not the best representation of that particular business or that brand. So mm -hmm. I think that I, I love that approach and would like to know your thoughts on the importance of STEM and representation from black students, black people in general in STEM related fields, given that you all are doing the work that you're doing, it's community driven, community focused, um, and uh, targeted towards young people in the city of Detroit, which is gonna be majority black. So just wanna know like your opinion, somebody who's in of color and in a STEM related field or done that type of work. Two folks to that. So the first thing I wanna mention is, it's a very, um, uh, the career in STEM is a, I would say it's it's a, it's a lot of jobs that's needed in that space, right? So it's a lot of job security in that space, right? So you don't necessarily hear a lot of people in that space where they're bouncing around too much, right? It's very stable. Second fold is if I'm another if I'm a black individual in this field, right? 
the most ideal position or job I could go to. You worked out there in Microsoft in Seattle. I worked at GM as, as electrical engineer in um, Warren Tech Center, right? One thing that we probably both relate to that there's not a lot of us in those spaces a lot of times, right? The more we see each other in these spaces, the more it's fun to go to work in those spaces, right? And so that's the value of providing that avenue for more of us to get into the space because it'll make the job much more funner as we go to go into the space. We'll learn how to um, bring each other up in the space because now we have more clout and more power. You know, power, power comes with numbers too, right? And so I think that's the avenue. That's the reason why I think that we should have more um, more of us in the space of STEM because, first of all, not many of us in there. Second thing, I think it will make a huge impact on how to generate that level of, I guess, that pathway into, you know, the pathway to prison, not the pathway to STEM. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that comes with having numbers, having the resources. And so. Yeah, I agree with you 100% because I know for me starting in tech, my very first job, I worked in automotive and there were I was the youngest and it wasn't any representation of color really in the entire office. And then when I worked matriculated to tech, I had an opportunity to meet like upfront the people who the other black people who were working in different fields. And we had a chance to kind of like all connect and, and, and find community within that. And it made work so much easier still does like different uh, uh, organizations and groups that surround the work that we do and just being able to have like that relation point and like for me it makes work like 10 times easier because I can break down something that may be complex or kind of like foreign and be able to talk to somebody else about it and excuse me we understand each other perfectly um, on how you know you can you can break certain things down and, and explain it and have those explanations. So I agree with you uh, 100%. And as far as working with students on a core STEM topic such as math, what challenges do you kind of see when they enter tutoring or any enter any of your programming and then um, once they complete it or, or finish it? Um, I would say the main thing I see is the, the conversation that's being held in the household, right? A lot of times, and a lot of students come in with the mindset that they can't be good at math or that math is not meant for them. And that, um, um, and so one of the things we always tell parents is to change the, the diet, the, what's being said around the student, because a lot of times they may say, my child struggles with math, always struggle with math, they never be good at math, but they need to get by this, this semester. We like, that, 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 a child being told that all their life mm-hmm. it's going to cause them to think they can't do this stuff, right? And so once we start building that, first of all, we always say we build the confidence first with the student. We get them to understand that if you trust the process, um, you can achieve, right? A lot of times, that beginning of that first phase, we're like, mm, right over the head, right? But we repeat it again, right? Just trust the process. When they go through and learn, like, this first problem, they actually did it right by themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it worked. They shock, right? Like apply the same method to the next problem. Oh, it worked. And then the, as they continue to go down, like, oh, I can do all of these. Because now they're building confidence. Now they're actually trusting the process now, right? Mm-hmm. Now when we add a more complex thing to it, right? We say it's the same thing. Trust what you just taught and just apply it. 
And then they start realizing, like, I don't have to guess. I'm not just making a number. I'm not trying to look at the last problem and say, I see a five over here. I don't put a five over here. Mm -hmm. No, don't worry about the last problem. Just focus on this and apply the process. And once they do that and actually believe, start believing in themselves in the process, that's when it starts clicking. Like, I could do this. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. And once you get that aha moment, then you start letting them know, like, okay, let's keep going now. Let's mm -hmm. keep going. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then that's when another part that comes across with that is they, they tend to think that, you know, like, we work with that set. You familiar with that set? Yep. Um, one of the things they asked us at the very beginning, we started doing a partnership with them like four years ago. They asked us, how does, why does the student indicate on the survey that math for fun? What kind of fun activity do y'all do with them? We're like, we don't, do we don't do no extra, like, let's sing a song, let's do games. <laughs> we just teach the material, but it becomes fun because they actually understand the material. Mm-hmm. It's just like anything else. If you're able to go to the hoop and knock down a couple of shots, you're like, basketball, my thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you airball all the like, I, mean, I don't know this for me. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? So it's like it becomes fun based around the fact that you feel like you're good at it. And that's the key. Facts. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have any success stories of students that you work with or any personal stories of tutoring students? Um, we have several, but um, – Let's see. One okay. One was okay. Father came to me. Um, and he said that his son has a trouble with um, retaining information, right? And that you may teach him one day, but then by next week he was he might not be able to retain what you just taught him, right? And I remember I mentioned to him, I, I hear what you say, I understand, and I did like a you know a assessment with the student, right? And one thing I always told the father like. I know you, that's how you see it, but let's let's not let's not let's not say anymore in front of him in that way, right? Because I think that he's believing that he can't retain it because it's being said to him all the time. Mm -hmm. And so the father, it was hard for him to step back a little bit from saying certain things. He's decided he was he'll take my advice and step back and not say anything, and it's he only positive messages to his son, right? Mm -hmm. His son went from I'm not sure what grade. I know he wasn't doing too well in class, but he went from probably having like a D or C in the class to becoming the, one of the top students in the class. Mm. And he was able to go for, take his SAT. He went from having, um, I guess, a, a very low scoring math section SAT to over exceeding what his dad thought he could do on the math section SAT, all in within a three month time frame. And I remember his dad wrote this long, like, wrote this, or left this long voicemail. Like, <laughs> That's the life for you, right? <laughs> and he was able to qualify for Detroit Promise, and he was able to go. And I think he was trying to go to University uh, University of Michigan mm -hmm. on a full ride because of Detroit Promise, all this other stuff. So all that stuff just kind of down effect. Like, but he went from having uh, eight something SAT, which I'm not sure you know with the scoring system, yep. but uh, for Detroit Promise, you got to have like a 1060 or mm -hmm. higher, and so he went from an 850 to like an 11 something in a three-month time frame of going through our services, and which was a huge jump in that time frame. And, you know, and majority of the score came from the math section of the test, mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah. 
So my next question is, where was y'all when I was going to college? Because <laughs> if I, I would have scored higher on my SAT and uh, ACT, I would have got a full ride or at least my tuition paid for for when I went to Michigan. And we both know college ain't cheap. So, yeah, yeah I oh, needed yeah. I needed y'all back then. <laughs> yeah, we here, we here to stay, though, though. So when your kids come through, hey, your kids good. <laughs> Say less. <laughs> Say oh, yeah. less. Oh, yeah. So uh, I wanted to know what – if any challenges did you have in starting Math for Success and creating this business? Like, what was that journey like for you? So, going through undergrad, receive my bachelor's degree. Going to go to grad school, receive my master. Going, you know, continue my thing to PhD. Right, did all the school, saw school a long time. Had no break in between. Right, start working at General Motors. Two years in, like this ain't for me. But. I need something some other way out. So the journey was like, or the, the hardest part was trying to figure out what my true passion was and how to make it successful. How to be, you know, I'm, I'm making good money at GM, you know, got very stable, stable lifestyle. I'm like, cool, everything's good. But I wasn't, my heart wasn't there. And so I'm making that leap, that was the hardest part. How do you leave something that you worked all this time to get these, all these degrees and all this other stuff going on to say, Deuces, and do something that start brand new for something brand something that you had no expertise in, which is running the business. That was a hard, hard decision, but I knew my heart was always committed towards this side. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna put myself in an environment like come to Bamboo or going to Tech Town, going to different places where other entrepreneurs, and just breathe the same ears to them, right? Because I want to know what, 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 what's their story? How they was able to get to this point, right? You had different people in, the, in, in the entrepreneur space in different levels, right? One thing they always said, the one that was, you know, had a higher success in the sense of like, you know, like um, financial success with the business, they all left their job. <laughs> they put their full focus in that entrepreneurship, right? Mm -hmm. And that was the one thing I started realizing, right? If I want to get to the next level, I have to find the time to put all my eggs in the basket. Second thing was, I knew that, um, so the challenge was now, how do you deal with people? How do you build a staff? How do you build a team? One of my things, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a people person, so I, I have a lot of, um, I'm able to create friendship with people over time pretty with ease, right? And so I utilize that that part of who I am and to to reach out and, and, and you know, get people motivated towards this mission, right? Because when people came in and say, hey, how can I help along? I was able to say, hey, I need help with this. Came in with that. Came in with this. Because a lot of people that came in the first year, they wasn't really getting paid. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of, like, volunteer work for real. And I'm like, I'm always be grateful to, uh, um, to them. But it's one of the things where they came off the strength of the love and the passion and the mission of Maffer says. Because I'm just trying to figure things out. I ain't got no money to pay nobody. I'm just mm -hmm. like, let's make this impact. Who's on? Who's on board? Right. <laughs> right. So the fact that they was able to to jump on board, and put the time and energy toward this thing, I'm always really grateful for you know those individuals. And and so I think that to I guess ask your question is, there's always a challenge in front of you. Like right now, it's another challenge, right? Each stage in your entrepreneurship life, it's going to be a different challenge, no matter what it is. You just got to pull your bootstraps and go to work mm -hmm. and figure things out as you go. Ask the right questions. 
And not only ask, I don't say ask the right questions, ask questions, because there's no such thing as a right or wrong question. It's more like keep asking, keep learning, keep putting yourself in the environment. Go to places where, where I always say breathe the same air. Go to places where people are at a level that you're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. You can't get to a level that you're not you're not familiar with and being around with people mm-hmm. you're trying to get to. If you're comfortable where you're at and the people you're around and sense of like the level, cool, nothing wrong with that. But you aspire to go higher with something, you got to find people that's in higher places in a sense mentally, mm-hmm. you know. And so, yeah. thousand percent. And what resources were you able to use when you made that transition? So I know that you, I know that you all are um, based out of Tech Town, but want to know, like, did you utilize any of their resources? Were you able to find others? Like, how did you, what helped it's, you get to where you are now? It's a combination. So um, we had our first workshop we worked. Um, which is down, one downtown. Uh, I had a friend that had a membership there, and she was like, hey, I got some hour for this conference room. You can use it. Cool. Free. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, the other thing was um, um, identifying, like, um, um, all the, the, the entrepreneurial resources that were being that was being taught at Bamboo or Tech Town or different places, go to all the different forums. Like, just learn about what it, what it takes to be an entrepreneur, like what resources are provided here. Um, and so those were the type of things I did at the very beginning. Um, I made sure that um, I did, I'm big on numbers when it comes to like money and stuff like that. So I know I want to put myself in a very deep hole in a way, but I always knew that if I make that leap, what can I what can I utilize um, to weather the storm, right? And so one of the things I knew that I had a 401k, right, that I had utilized, right? So I always said that that would be my, my somewhat security blanket if it all fails, right? Right. And so, but I always said that that is for my mental state. Like, I got a daughter, you know, I got, you know, mm-hmm. I got other things I got to make sure that it's not just me that's failing. Right. <laughs> you know, if I fail, right? Right. right. So, um and, and and believe in yourself, man. Like I think a lot of times, it's, people always say, "When's the right time?" There's, the right time is now, no matter what it, you're trying to do. If you're trying to change your health, health, a healthy lifestyle. The time is now. If you're trying to start a business, the time is now. If you're trying to travel, the time is now. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's no never no right time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so oh, yeah. For sure, yeah, I'm, I'm inspired with you just saying that. So definitely uh, appreciate you breaking that down. Also, do you have a mentor, mentors, or people that you look up to that instill certain lessons into you and guide you through your journey? And I think mentors, this is what I'll say, mentors could be mentor for certain stages in your journey, right? If you're, I'll tell analogy like, Say you're trying to be an NBA star, right? You might have a mentor that's in high school that will get you to that college level. But that, that mentor in high school may not be the one that get you to the NBA level, right? So there might be different stages. You might have different mentors that, right? So, yes, I do have mentors, and I have um, mentors at different stages of the journey, right? Um, I'm always constantly looking for additional mentors because there are different stages I'm trying to get to that maybe this other mentor may not be able to get me to the level, right? And so... Always, um, cause I, yeah, and there's quite a few that, you know, I definitely got to, you know, show appreciation for, you know, um, for mentors that are doing things in similar spaces as mine, and then mentors that just wanted to share resources that 
to know how what you need as an entrepreneur to get to the next level, right? Or just someone that's gonna um, inspire you by sharing their journey with you. You know what I'm saying? Those type of mentors. Like I, I'm always like I don't never put them all in the same box. I always say. I know what this individual's how this person plays a role in my journey. Mm-hmm. I know how this other individual plays a role in my journey. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you may not always say because they're a mentor, don't mean that everything they say you have to use as facts towards right. your business, right? Right. You got to figure out what what can you take and extract and apply in the things that you may not want to use, right? Because sometimes people think that a mentor, whatever they say, is like facts towards your business, but not everyone knows exactly what your your true vision is about you. So you have to know what you're trying to get to. Because um, one of my mentors mentioned to me, he said, you're doing work that <clears throat> he wanted me to focus on students that already succeeded a lot, right? He said, take them to a whole, whole other level, right? But he saw it as, you know, it's a great avenue for, like, it's, better for storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. You have students with MIT, students that go here, right? But I told him, I said, I hear what you're saying, I know why you're saying it, and I'm not saying that we don't want to focus on students too, but my reason for math success was not necessarily those, those students directly, right? It was the students that needed our help to get to get to the next level to be able to say, okay, I, got, I built a level of confidence in my math skills. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell myself that this is what I'm gonna stay focused on. Even though one of my mentors was telling me something different, but I understand why he was saying it, mm-hmm. and I said, "Oh, nah, he doesn't. Nah, I wanted to. I knew that I had to make a decision on who the main focal point is going to be, and I made that decision. But all the other things that he always mentioned, valuable stuff, right? He said one other thing he told me too. He said no student shouldn't feel forced to be part of a program, right? Meaning that you know." And so what we implemented with our classes, right, before we go into any after-school program or any pro- class, we had the students read, read a um, message, read it out loud, uh, sign like a contract, basically, saying that they understand why they're here and, and they want to be here in a way, right? And so we want them to understand that you have a choice in life. This is not being forced upon you. If you find the value in this, then you will put your full effort towards this, right? Mm-hmm. If you find no value in this, you'll be a distraction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so that's the decision that they have to make. Not your mama, not your daddy. You have to make as an individual. Yep. And that's the main thing we want to get the students to understand that everything in life is a choice. And that and that's one of my mentors always told me, make, make sure the students have a choice in this. Don't make it feel like they're being forced to do this. And once they mentally click that way, say, okay, this is a choice. This is something I made a decision that I wanted to commit to. I signed my name on, on that line. Mm. Go to work. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And what do you see in your crystal ball? What's next for a math for success? What's next for you? Oh, you continue to grow, continue to learn, continue to make impact, right? Um, we're constantly trying to find ways to be better at what we do, basically. It continues. It's never in the process. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And for anybody watching who are is interested in being a tutor or looking to um, participate in any of your programming, how can they get in touch with you? What's all your social handles, website, all that good stuff? All right, so the website is www.mathforsuccess.org. So it's M-A-T-H, the number four, S-U-C-C-E-S-S dot O-R-G. Um, and Instagram is 
Math for Success, um, or at Math for Success, which is M-A-T-H, the number four, S-U-C-C-E-S-S. And um, Facebook is Math Space for Space Success. Well, Facebook, um, we're on LinkedIn as well. But uh, And then if you want to email us, we're info at mathforsess.org. Perfect. And all you adults out there that's still counting with your fingers and your toes, y'all need to tap in <laughs> and possibly get some tutoring as well. It's not just for uh, young folks. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. At all ages. All ages. Love it. So, <laughs> Dr. Lightfoot, this is a pleasure. Thank you for coming and sharing your story. Um, I think that there is a lot of value, like I said earlier, in the work that you do and the mission that you have. So, I appreciate you for doing that and appreciate your time. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Appreciate it. All right. All right. And y'all, I'll tap in with y'all soon. Peace.